0: The hunt for the great multi-unit franchisee is on. And coming up next, your franchise killers, Nick and Charles are gonna talk about it. So I don't think it's a bad theory, to say, as a franchise brand, I want to go after multi-unit operators who are properly capitalized, have already done it with another brand, uh, and are going to come into my brand and help me scale at a more accelerated pace, five units, 10 units. What I think the challenge, though, that exists is good, viable... Franchise businesses are quite limited, and if you if you follow me or interact with me on on LinkedIn, you can see there was a starting point of a conversation around this. That just because you want the multi unit operator doesn't mean your business is sound to do it. If your uh, cost to get in and your potential profitability isn't super sound. And Charles, you and I talked with, and I think we're going to keep referencing this, this interview. We've had, we've had a few, uh, the Annie Duke one, uh, this one, Walter bond to some extent where the message ends up being super sticky and we can keep talking about it and and going back to it. Um, but you know, he, he he's confirmed and it wasn't, it wasn't pre discussed prior to our interview, but he's like, it is about the money. So if you're not sound there, I don't know that you're ever going to get the multi-unit operator who is, who's going to game change your brand. What are your thoughts? So
1: I, I think we should reverse engineer the multi-unit franchisee, right? So multi-unit franchisee, they've had good success with another brand. Uh, they've entered the space and probably that brand was, you know, one of the leaders in a new category as they went along Uh, And again, back to our interviews, we hear that these multi-unit operators find uh, that the franchisor and the management team is focused on mentorship, accountability, KPIs, right? Um, And there's ROI and scalability. So they open up multiple locations. They're they're engaged in legacy building. And now everyone's on the hunt for these, you know, great multi-unit franchisees. That's usually their experience. And then Reverse engineering. Um, I think some of the factors again comes down to basics. They're going to be looking for new category creators or new innovators in new categories, right? So, if you're an emerging franchisor, look. If you're you're you have entrenched much larger competition, it's going to be very hard to attract the multi-unit operator. But you, if you're in a new space where there's white space. You have a technology advantage, an ROI advantage, and scalability. I think those are going to be the factors to focus on. We,
0: we work with uh, an emerging brand. Uh, they have a handful of franchises, call it a couple. Um, their AUVs are north of a million bucks. Their cost to get in is, is sound, under 200, uh, and it scales. Uh, you grow your business, you scale it some more based on uh, the the trucks that you buy in. Um, and it's interesting because if you look at their business, you have a leadership team that that already had tenure in the category. They did it first corporately. And so they're able to point towards their AUVs uh, from years ago. So like, I, I think they're, they're almost three years old or they're coming up. This is their third year. But if you're watching the corporate sales and then you're watching the first franchisees, they're following the same projections. So what that shows to the buyer is that they've perfected the business model. And so when you're looking at that and you're like, okay, uh, low labor or manageable labor, uh, a category that is is crowded but undefined uh, but can make a lot of money. And when you scale up, like the, the the dollars continue to scale alongside with you based on the amount of equipment that you've bought in. And it's like that that's an emerging brand that checkmark I think can, can win with the multi unit operators. But generally speaking, like if you and I were to say, let's take every franchise award that's gonna exhibit at the multi unit conference, and us for us to actually go through it and say here are the ones that we actually think could win, I don't think it's gonna be that many.
1: It never is though. So one issue I have, Nick, is when you describe that successful franchise system and they're capable to support multi-unit franchisees, I can tell you that at an expo, every franchisor that is there thinks they check off all those boxes. Right? So, so how do we, how do we, so if if you're speaking to emerging brands right now or any brand, you know, what are some objective guideposts they need to evaluate so they don't get fooled into thinking they should be investing in this
0: category? All right. Well, let's go back to the tropical smoothie discussion. He said, I would not buy another brand unless it fit one of two categories. And this is one individual. But he said, I'm not gonna buy another brand unless it has over a hundred units. Cause he wants to see sustainability. Or if it's such a giant box business, which is what he bought into, that the business model is super sound and it and it answers a problem that a community can have. And in, in this in this case, an entertainment bowling alley uh concept, um, that will be it will be a hero brand. Or like and you're seeing this somewhat with um unleash brands with you know, their, their giant theme park business opportunity. Like the, those are ones that are not like traditional franchises. I think that's, that's the thing. Like it's, it's the toughest part I think of, of any, any development in franchising is aligning expectations to reality. And the like, okay, you, you want someone who can scale a business. Let's say you're, let's say you're a half a million dollar investment. And you're like, we want people that have uh, liquid capital of 200,000. In my opinion, that's part of the issue. You know, you want liquid capital of $2 million so that you can find the right person that could come in and scale it. And the hardest part of that is you're not gonna get crazy leads. Like the 1% is the 1% for a reason there's only one percent and so i think you know as long as franchisors live in a mindset of we need leads and that's what they measure versus how's our deals doing and what's our enterprise value turn into um you know i i think they're going to be constantly disappointed because there's not enough there's not enough of these folks out there uh who can buy it. i've talked about this before i said i said if I were starting a franchise brand, I would love to get um, a multi-unit operator and maybe I would, um, but I'd be super restrictive of who I sell to, uh, making sure that I'm selling to people that even if they're the the multi-unit operator of tomorrow to start, focus in on people that you know can go from one to five units in your business and get 25 of those.
1: Well, eh, <clears throat> let's hone in on, on some points you made um you reflected on a successful multi unit operator his mindset was i want an established system 100 units or more or a box right that that you you called it a hero brand and and really if we're comparing both of these 100 units or more well then there's stability and scalability i could see a pattern if I invest in X, I could generate Y. If I double that, I could generate Z. So they, there's a, a pattern there. And on the other end, which was a box, right? Which sort of now becomes unlike a service-based brand or other things, it's it, it creates its own gravity. This multi-unit operator could look at the box and say, if I build X with Y number of lanes or Z number of, I could generate ROI. So so if If we're reverse engineering, right, if you want to attract the multi-unit franchisees, you need to give them metrics that show scalability. ROI, scalability, repeatability. And and to a certain extent, I guess when you're talking about the established brand and the giant box, um, there's a readily available customer base they're seeing, right? So, so I guess that's where, you know, multi-unit operators are going to be focused on. What's my investment? What's my ROI? When I flip the switch, uh, what should I expect in customers? And I could tell that for sure when I look at a 100-unit system and their item 19. Or if I'm dealing with a startup brand, if they have something unique, whether it's their box, whether it's white space in a new industry, I could see the, the economics multiplying.
0: I mean, all of that is, is sound opinions. I mean, here's, here's the thing. If I were a franchisor that said, here's my target. First of all, I would look internally and say, do I have anybody that aligns with this persona? Whether you have one unit, you have a thousand units, it doesn't matter. Who are my people that match this persona currently? And if there aren't any, then I say, who in my network, and it could just be as simple as LinkedIn, who in my network can I say, look at my brand and poke holes in it? I know that you own 20 Popeyes. Why would you never buy this? Tell me why. And and the data and the insights that come out of that could be incredible, you know, And but I think it's... I think a, a a lot, and this is humans. Period. I think a lot of brands and a lot of people are afraid to hear the "why nots," even though they end up being incredibly valuable to figuring out your your "why hows." You know.
1: Look, I, I think it, we'd all be better off if we started off with like, "Tell me why I'm missing the mark, right? What we need to do better." So I I think that's great, right? And then I I think the brands need to evaluate that internally also, right? As you're planning your SWOT analysis or your strategic planning or traction to create a list of, because, you know, deep down, if you really dive into it, what are the reasons why a multi-unit operator would not identify us for, you know, their investment. Um, So I think that's really important. And then I, I mean, the reality is, is that you need to be genuine. Every good, so every good multi-unit system is heavily involved in training, coaching, metrics, KPIs. We have a, I have a friend uh, was a, a good client that years ago, uh, bought into a very well-known system, went in head first multi-unit operator he bought his first location, particular location, thought it was gonna be a home run. The franchisor team, the team that was assigned to him, the area developer, said, We don't think this is a good idea. And you know what? He's very successful years later, but you know which location didn't perform well? That first location that the franchisor told them they didn't see it, right? And again, so so how did he succeed? It's the bench, it's the coaching, it's the team. So and every multi-unit operator's experienced a good management team and coaching. Right. So if you don't have that framework and that success ladder in place for your single-unit franchisees and for multi-unit, then you're not even ready to be in the game.
0: But you have the pressure, right? The pressure doesn't go away. the The pressures of developing a brand and and speed, like you know. I, if we took, if we took every brand that we've worked with and went back five years and go back to that five-year moment and say, all right, give us the five-year look. What does your brand look like? Number of units sold, number of units open, number of franchisees, your leadership team, uh, your system-wide sales. And we said, paint that picture. I would say for both of our companies, majority of brands will have missed the mark on what they expected to be at in five years. Now, I don't think that's wrong. I think it's good to dream dream big, but I think it's also good to be reflective, which is what we learned from Annie Duke of like, try to figure out why did you not hit that success? So let's say you've been exhibiting for the last five years at the multi-unit franchise conference, which for franchising is the signature event for multi-unit operators, the only real one that exists. It could be the only one that exists, period. But you've been there for five years. Nothing is changing. You try constantly to get in front of these operators and nobody is budging. I promise you they know who you are. Like, The majority of franchisees who go to that conference have to have the sophistication to do research on the brands that are going to exhibit there and have a point of view before they go there and know who they're going to talk to before they go there. They might walk the floor and have a surprise or two, but... the the surprises don't tend to move the needle for them. Maybe one here and there. But you you look at that and you say, okay, I've been there for five years and it's not working. You might blame that conference. You might say, I didn't have the right booth spot. I didn't have the sponsor video. And I would say, I think you got to blame yourself. Like, it just, it's not bad, but your brand is not prepared for it.
1: Right. And And the indicators are there. And usually, like, the deepest preparation is how much of a discount I'm going to give in my FDD or, you know, what discount I give as a multi-unit operator, you know, for multi-unit development agreements. And that's not really preparing. Um, You need to be able to demonstrate a multiplier effect that if you invest with our brand, here's the springboard, here's the multiplier effect that's going to happen, and here's how we make it happen.
0: Totally. And I think, I think, I mean, this is going to sound so basic and call it Nick math. That's like the new buzz term that I'll get ripped for. Uh, Okay. So what is the value of a candidate? Um, Let's say that multi-unit operator could be worth, I don't know, $10 million to your business. Yet majority of franchisors want to spend less than $25,000 on acquisition. What happens if you change your mindset to say, you know, we might have to spend $200,000 per multi-unit operator. And that's a lot of cash out. And I'm not suggesting that everybody has that amount of cash. But when you start saying like i want to accelerate with this candidate this group of candidates and you're spending the same as everyone else and that doesn't mean like buying digital ads or billboards or ads in multi-unit magazine it's also like building you could you could hire a specialist a franchise coach for a hundred thousand dollars a year and say you are here only to support our multi-unit operators i'll bring you to the shows until we start building up your book of business i'm going to invest a hundred thousand dollars in you coach to follow me around and then we'll scale you as we go like i think it just takes a little bit of a different mindset and i don't i don't know that that exists for most brands they still want to play in the same pool as everyone they just want to adjust their candidates and they don't change their expectations so i mean all of this is to say like if we're trying to get to what is the key takeaway if that's truly the audience that you want, then you better be prepared to throw the bomb on the way you've been doing things and try a different pathway. If it's not working, there's something in your messaging that's not clicking, you know?
1: You know, Nick, I, I love that because it's almost like your individual unit franchise sales versus your multi-unit real multi-unit. They're almost two different businesses. Right. And they reinforce each other. And I, I love the advice about, yeah, you could throw down a million dollars. You know, a smart multi-unit operator that succeeded doesn't care how much you spent. Uh, they just care to look under the hood and see the scalability. So imagine what it would feel like or look like a year or two from now if you had that multi-unit coach building out systems, even coaching. um, qualified individual unit operators and helping them scale up. That's pretty big. And then that changes not only how your franchisees perform, it changes your management team thought process. It changes your conversations. It changes your whole franchise development structure. And it seems like a little
0: thing, but it's pervasive. What if, and and look, I, I, I get it. I mean, most of these won't happen, but what if you said, if I said, "Hey Charles, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for your the complete build out of your first unit. I want to make sure the real estate is right, but I'm gonna pay for the complete build out. I'm gonna pay four hundred thousand dollars to get your unit up. As a part of this agreement, you're gonna escrow four hundred thousand dollars for your second unit. Therefore, within the first twelve months, you're gonna have two operating units, and I also want you to to agree." I want you to pay in another hundred thousand for five additional units. And if you get to five, I'll buy your sixth. Imagine, like, like I'm 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 doing this back of the napkin, but imagine that discussion. Because you're gonna get the royalty off of seven units. You gotta you gotta engineer the whole thing through. And my point is that it might be interesting to look at it a different way and get an outcome that increases your enterprise value, the enterprise value on a seven 7 unit deal that each does a million bucks, at, you know, as long as EBIT does sound could be 10X, 15X, 20X, <laughs> but we don't look at it that way. And imagine saying to my, not just multi-unit franchisees, all franchisees, I wanna partner with you so, so much that we're gonna make you escrow the cash to get your first one open. So that means we're making sure that you have the money that's sound we're going to buy unit one and transfer ownership to you when it's built. And when you open up number five, we're going to open up number six on your behalf and we're going to hand you the keys and we're going to transfer that business to you. And you can go, you can sell it at a three, three and a half times multiple to the next operator, but we want to be your partner. Like there is some magic to the Chick-fil-A model. I'm not saying it's perfect, but there's something there about what happens when you partner with Z's versus, you know, whip them with a stick?
1: Well, I, I mean, it's all confidence, right? So a franchise or let, let's say you'll never do that, but you act and build up your franchise system if you wanna do that. Like Chick-fil-A knows they put a box in, they know, the, you know how many lanes they're going to have, they know how much revenue they're going to generate, right? There's the scalability, and so in many ways they have a modified franchise model. What you're suggesting, right, no franchisor is going to do that unless they have that unit level economics down. They've built the team to support and mentor. And so that's where the confidence comes. And by the time you get to that stage, you're not going to need to do that anyway, right? You're going to be having... So Nick, I you know, the, the great advice there is act as if that's what you're going to do. Because it's if big. you do that, you're going to build out a very different franchise system. Totally.
0: Um, I think, like, again, like, the the purpose of this one in the in the middle of our multi-unit masterclass. And this is good for the Z's to hear too, because if you're a prospect and you're looking at a brand, like listen, listen to both sides of it. But this is meant again, like this is an open discussion so that when you guys are watching this video, hopefully forget about our ideas or our, our thoughts, you formulate your own and you run with it based on, you know, some nugget that comes out of it. So I hope that someone got uh good information out of it. I love talking with, the, with it, uh, about it, uh, with you, Charles. Uh, anything in closing?
1: No, I, I think there's a mystery here. I, I love the background where you're at. I look forward to learning more about that, Nick.
0: I'm not wearing a jacket. I'm outside. That's that's the clue. I'm retired. See ya.